This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for spending part of this special day with us here on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. We are a lucky bunch, we Canadians, and I know you are personally thankful for people and blessings in your life. Hold those thoughts, and you can give us a call about that at the bottom of the hour when Gail Nyberg of the Daily Bread Food Bank joins us here in studio. She'll let us know how the Thanksgiving food drive is going and what we can do to help out. But first, last night's U.S. presidential debate. The second of three was held in St. Louis, Missouri, and it got nasty at times between Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton and Republican nominee Donald Trump. Trump was coming off the worst couple of days of his campaign after a 2005 audio recording went public that heard him talking in the most sexually graphic terms about what he does to women because he's famous. He apologized on Saturday in a video recording and addressed it again during the debate. It also, the debate, gave his opponent, Hillary Clinton, an opportunity to respond publicly. So let's have a listen to that exchange. Because we've seen this throughout the campaign. We have seen him insult women. We've seen him rate women on their appearance, ranking them from 1 to 10. We've seen him embarrass women on TV and on Twitter. We saw him, after the first debate, spend nearly a week denigrating a former Miss Universe in the harshest, most personal terms. So, yes, this is who Donald Trump is. If you look at uh, Bill Clinton, far worse, minor words, and his was action. His was what he's done to women. There's never been anybody in the history of politics in this nation that's been so abusive to women. Hillary Clinton attacked those same women, attacked them viciously, four of them here tonight. And certainly I'm not proud of it, but that was something that uh, happened. If you look at uh, Bill Clinton, far worse, minor words, and his was action. His was what he's done to women. There's never been anybody in the history of politics in this nation that's been so abusive to women. Hillary Clinton attacked those same women, attacked them viciously, four of them here tonight. And certainly I'm not proud of it, but that was something that uh, happened. If you look at uh, Bill Clinton, far worse, minor words, and his was action. His was what he's done to women. There's never been anybody in the history of politics in this nation that's been so abusive to women. Okay, I think we heard that last part uh, a couple of times there, the same that comment he made once, but uh, in our audio there that you just heard, it was a couple of times. But you get the gist of what happened in that exchange last night. It was an opportunity for Trump to call into question 
alleged behavior by Bill Clinton, Hillary's husband of many decades. Uh, This is the path he chose to take after he became publicly embarrassed on the weekend uh, for his bus audio recording. Your reaction to this exchange and any others is welcome. 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. Joining us for our election panel today is Michael Diamond of the Upstream Strategy Group. Thank you for joining us in studio, Michael. Thanks for having me. And Paul Paselli, a U.S. journalist and self-proclaimed die-in-the-wool conservative. Michael is in studio. Paul is on the phone. Hello, Paul. Hey, uh, how are you folks? Good to be back with you. Well, it's good to have you here with us on Canadian Thanksgiving. Uh, Paul, we'll start with you, um, since you're our guest here, our American guest. Uh, your overall observations, what did you think was the difference between last night's debate and the first debate back on September 26th? I thought the primary difference was um, the physical overall tone of the debate before we get to the exchange of um, what Mr. Trump said or didn't say or how he framed it and how Hillary framed it. Um, I, I thought the one the thing that hit me was the town hall style of, uh, of debates where, uh, you know, you're not standing at that lectern Uh, You're not uh, in front of a huge, massive crowd. And everyone anticipated that the overall style would probably play better to both candidates last night, which it did. Um, Both Mrs. Clinton and and Donald Trump are are particularly good uh, at these one-on-one situations where they can walk around the stage, they can um, um, uh, have a discussion with the questioner rather than sitting there at a podium, um, and that was the initial impression I had. I thought both of them, you know, physically uh, engaged uh, the audience well. Um, as far as the tone, it's pretty much what a lot of us thought what was going to happen. You know, Trump uh, knew he was on the ropes. Um, he came out swinging, um, although he kept his physical tone controlled. Um, did jump on the moderators, uh, Martha Raddatz and Anderson Cooper from time to time, but the whole idea of uh, being somewhat contrite, as contrite as he can be, being his uh, personality, and then going after uh, the former president and Hillary Clinton as her uh, as his enabler during a lot of the uh, stuff that popped up during his administration was, was, was pretty much expected. I don't think it really changed many minds either way. Michael, your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree. Last night was not about changing minds, but for Donald Trump, I think it was about uh, putting a stop to the very bad narrative that his campaign had been subjected to since uh, late Friday afternoon. And quite frankly, I think he did it. After the first debate, uh, Trump certainly uh, was not the victor of that debate. Last night, I'd say it was a much more... uh, level playing field for the two of them. And one of the reasons was I think Trump looked at his performance in the first debate where he 
took advice from other people, and he doesn't seem to like to do, like doing that, and he, I think, did it in that case. And last night, we got to see Donald Trump be Donald Trump. And during the primaries, when he behaved like we'd expect Donald Trump, who we've been watching in tabloids and uh, reality TV for years and years and years, to behave like Donald Trump, he did well uh, in connecting to voters and resonating. When he took advice from others, he did less well. So last night, we got to see Donald behaving like Donald. But gentlemen, what do you think about this whole response? And obviously, this was was a strategy by by his people to say what he said on that bus with Billy Bush was locker room talk. That's the way people talk. Um, you know, I, I've been in probably a lot more male locker rooms than you have. I, I think we can say with certainty. I've never heard people describe committing crimes in those locker rooms. And so he can talk about how uh, this is words and Bill Clinton was actions, but he was actually describing actions. So it's it's kind of difficult for him to make that. And argument. Paul, what about you and your locker room experiences? Well, I, you know, listen, being a member of the male species, I will plead guilty as probably millions of other men will from time to time. Um, you know, discussions do, obviously, men being men and women being women, stray into um, that area. However, as, as, as your guest just said, um, I have never personally uh, engaged in, in that sort of, let's say, graphic um, behavior, description of behavior, um, you know, now, you know, some people are saying, well, he was just exaggerating. He is who he is. But the bottom line is, it's on a recording and it was there. So, um, you know, the damage done and there were parts of it that I even kind of winced at and said, you know, you know, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a tad much, you know, to say that, wow, did you see her with, you know, the fake blank blank, I, you know, that's, that's, common talk, frankly, folks among guys, but it did go over the line for certain parts of it, yeah. Right. I mean, I would hate to think that the men who I respect in my life, my husband, my son, my father, my male friends, my male colleagues, I'm sure that when they're in all male scenarios, will describe a woman as being hot or, or you know, something like yeah. that. You know, But in terms of the way that he was talking about the the parts of a woman you grab in the most yeah. uh, sexually explicit terms, what he'd like to do to them, I don't yeah. think that that is all that common. And I mean, how? But before we move on, because I don't want to spend yeah. too much time with this, but how correct is Hillary in saying that this is who he is? That what he said eleven years ago is a reflection of how he views women. You know, that's a good question, and I've been talking about talking with guy friends of mine about it and 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 like you said jane we you know that's something that that i've never said you know the really graphic active parts um it was it was definitely over the top from what you know i or anyone that i know has ever said um but you know donald trump has um a not so subtle background of um being surrounded with women of having, you know, two previous marriages, which, you know, he admits sometimes that, that he wasn't um, uh, faithful to and, and making no bones about the fact that, uh, you know, he loves the female form. So did this really surprise me? No, he, he, it didn't. And the minute I heard it, I said, uh-oh, this is not going to be good. 
as Paul said, it confirmed the narrative, and that that's why it's going to be a problem for Donald Trump. We now have Donald, in his own words, describing what Hillary Clinton has said, he believes. Now, if we flip it around here, um, Trump brings up former President Bill Clinton, and all of us who've been around long enough to know uh, Bill Clinton uh, did have extramarital affairs. To what extent? A lot of that is fodder. But we do know that he was not faithful to Hillary, uh, at least on a couple, if not multiple occasions. Is that relevant to Hillary Clinton's potential presidency and having Bill Clinton back in the White House as the first gentleman? Uh, does that play into this at all? And, and just to reset who we're speaking here with, uh, we've got Paul Paselli, U.S. journalist, uh, conservative commentator in the U.S., and Michael Diamond of Upstream Strategy Group. Michael, what do you think about that? You know, it shouldn't, but it depends which versions of these stories we believe. So what we know for a fact is that, you know, Bill Clinton had an affair with Monica Lewinsky and he committed perjury and lied under oath about it. None of that should affect Hillary Clinton and impact how we view her, except if anything that it's a sympathetic, makes Hillary sympathetic. However, it was her behavior in calling a 21-year-old White House intern a narcissistic looney tune that makes me, so, who, who, in my opinion, Monica Lewinsky, although was a willing participant, was a victim of her boss's uh, power and influence. So that's where you have to look back and say, hmm, you know, look how Hillary Clinton talked about Jennifer Flowers. Look how she talked about Paula Jones and Monica Lewinsky and allegedly treated Juanita Broderick. That becomes a bit of a tougher pill to swallow. She can't be the champion of female rights while, while protecting a man who has committed sexual harassment and allegedly sexual assault. Paul? Yeah, Michael hit it. That, that, that's a bullseye, Michael, exactly. You know, this, this, was, this was over 20 years ago now. And you have voters coming up in this U.S. election who were never, who were, you know, weren't born back then, frankly. And you have a lot of younger millennials who may have been born but may have not been aware of what was going on. And this is a calculated strategy, as Michael pointed out, um, that the Trump campaign is hoping will cause younger voters, in particular folks, I've read about this, younger female voters who you think would be firmly in Hillary's camp. Um, you know, I've read accounts of some of these younger female voters uh, going, you know, on Google and Yahoo and whatever and looking up what happened, you know, and saying, wow, you know, as Michael said, here's somebody coming out saying, you know, I champion women, I'm for women, and, you know, all sexual assault victims or accusers deserve to be believed, but this is kind of weird what went on 20-something years ago. Mm -hmm. So it, it's definitely dangled out there to, to call her credibility into question. Although why she stayed for personal reasons is really none of the American public's business. Why she decided to stay in her, her marriage and support her husband. For sure, marriage is... Yeah, every, I'm sorry, Michael, go ahead. Oh, marriages are complicated things, and you know, Hillary Clinton made a choice very different from Ivana Trump uh, made in the 19, uh, early 1990s, which was my first memory, frankly, of a divorce was Donald and Ivana uh, Trump. So uh, the, it, it's a very personal choice. We can't attack her for choosing to stay married to a man who she suggests she loves. I mean, there's suggestions she doesn't from Donald Trump, but I think I'll defer to Hillary Clinton on uh, who she loves before I defer to Donald Trump on that. But it, it was her behavior out of that. But this is a kitchen sink strategy. So it's telling us more about the Trump campaign than the Clinton campaign. And you can't be a candidate of change when you're talking about things that happened 20 and 30 years ago.
Now, yeah, Paul, exactly. we did yeah, get ahead. we did get a little bit just to get away from the, the sure. mudslinging, the sexual mudslinging that seemed to take up the first part of last night's debate. We did get into some issues, which I always find refreshing when they talk yeah, about right. the, their positions on issues that matter to America, health care, Obamacare. So Trump said Obamacare is a disaster versus Hillary Clinton, who is saying, I would keep what's good in it and get rid of what's not. That conversation and your thoughts, Paul. Well, that's interesting, because if you point to Obamacare and you do a little analysis, you'll find that uh, Obamacare and and, and, uh, the whole legislative process to get that passed was kind of the genesis of the Tea Party here. Um, You know, when Americans look at, and I know you folks have a national health care system in Canada, which I've heard some very good things about, Um, when you talk to Americans um, uh, about health care, and you tell them, well, the government will handle it, but you may not be able to see the doctor you want to see when you see and get that routine procedure done, that really hits a nerve with people. That then led to a domino effect that uh, originated the Tea Party and then allowed the Republicans to take control of Congress over the last couple of cycles. Um, uh, and, and that was a key issue brought up last night. Uh, Hillary Clinton admitting, which was a smart move probably on her part, that there are problems. There are these health exchanges that are going under. Uh, there's word that Congress may have to essentially bail out the whole system, which some scholars here say may or may not be constitutional. And um, uh, I'm not surprised uh, Trump uh, jumped on it uh, at all because it did result in a number of Republican victories on the congressional level. And we we got a little mention in there, a negative mention from Donald Trump about Canada and our health care system. He made a comment that uh, many Canadians run to the U.S. because of Canada's inordinately long wait times for health care. And some people, that's, that is a valid complaint. Yeah. And, you know, even uh, if the numbers don't necessarily add up anecdotally, I mean, I can tell you through traveling throughout the United States, it is something that people seem to fear about a Canadian system. So people in Canada might think about it less than people in the United States, but that is the fear of a single payer system. And I think Trump was very, very smart in uh, painting Obamacare as the uh, slippery slope towards a single player uh, system, which Hillary Clinton has admittedly been working on for her entire career. We're speaking with U.S. journalist, conservative commentator Paul Pacific. Sally and Michael Diamond of the Upstream Strategy Group. Before we go to a quick break, let's get to Cheryl in Arden. Did you watch the debate, Cheryl, your comments? I did. And I want to say, Hillary Clinton, as far as I'm concerned, the criticism of her staying with Bill when he did whatever he did was 20 years ago as as a woman, for me, that would be a deal breaker. But that wasn't her deal breaker. So I have a great deal of respect that she hung in there through thick and thin. And I have a great deal of respect for what she's achieved in her career. It can't have been easy. So to me, she has her heart in the right place. She's a very hard worker. She never gives up. And if I was to vote in the U.S., I don't know what I would do, although I'd probably go with Hillary because she has the most experience. 
And although Bill Clinton did whatever Bill did, he was still, as far as I'm aware, historically, a good president. Thank you for your comment, Cheryl. I remember George Stephanopoulos' comments about Bill Clinton. He was a good president. He could have been a great president. Look, he was so distracted by uh, the impeachment proceedings, which were not the fault of Republicans. It was the fault of Bill Clinton for lying under oath and breaking the law that he uh, was just too distracted to uh, deal with the uh, uh, Sudanese government in uh, obtaining Osama bin Laden. So there were lasting consequences to Bill Clinton being a part-time president and a full-time defender of Bill Clinton. Now, as for Hillary, uh, she's accomplished a lot. Staying in her marriage was her own decision, and everyone should stop asking questions about that. But again, as Donald Trump was saying, and we were talking about earlier, this is not about Hillary Clinton's decision to stay in her marriage. It was about her treatment of Monica Lewinsky, her comments about Paula Jones and Jennifer Flowers and Juanita Broadbeck. And that's the issue with Hillary. And we will get back to more on the debate, including more accusations from Trump about what Hillary should be facing in terms of consequences over her 33,000 professional emails on her personal email site. And your calls, 416-360-0740, I'm stepping out with my baby. Can't go wrong, because I'm in right. It's for sure, not for maybe, that I'm all dressed up tonight. Oh, what a night, as Stepping Out pays tribute to Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Zoomer Radio is the official radio sponsor of Jersey Nights, an ARB presentation. This incredible tribute to Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons is a first for Zoomer Radio at Toronto's landmark Palais Royale, with lunch and dinner shows on October 27th. For Frankie fans in Hamilton, Zuma Radio presents Jersey Nights on October 25th at Carmen's. You can call 1-800-411-5678 or go to arbproductions.ca. Zuma Radio is a proud radio sponsor of the Toronto premiere of The Circle. On stage at Tarragon Theatre through November 27th, this explosive new play takes you to a high school garage party attended by a peculiar mix of young adults looking for a place to belong. Tickets at tarragontheater.com. I'm Ben Mercer. Be sure to check out the complete arts and events listings at zoomerradio.ca. Fight back with Libby's Nimer and the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Take the confusion out of taking vitamins and supplements. With so many on the market, choosing one that's right for your health, one that won't interfere with other medications, isn't always straightforward. Dan Patel of the OPA has information about more common vitamins and supplements and how to safely use them to support your health. Thursday at 1230. Fight back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Tonight on the season premiere of Murdoch Mysteries, a debutante ball for the who's who. Toronto society has been most welcoming. Turns into a whodunit. Surely your husband doesn't think any of these young women capable of murder. Anyone is capable of murder. Catching a wealthy young bachelor turns deadly. At the rate we're going, there's going to be nobody left to marry this bloody bachelor. The new season of Murdoch Mysteries starts tonight at 8 on CBC. I'm Ben Mercer. On the next Kobo and Conversation, we speak with New York Times best-selling author of books for young adults, Alison Noel. The staff at Kobo select the ebook pick of the week. Plus, we'll have author and finance guru Leslie Ann Scorgi. She'll open up about her reading life. 
Join me for Kobo in Conversation. Saturday at 1 on Zoomer Radio, brought to you by Kobo. With millions of ebooks at your fingertips, it's never been easier to get lost in a story. Sign up and get a $5 credit. Visit Kobo.com today. Tonight, you're going to make a memory that will last a lifetime. That memory could be of you standing in a roaring crowd, helping your team defend home ice. Or that memory could be of you watching the game at home while your spouse clips her toenails and your son practices the saxophone and your daughter makes a smoothie. Get your tickets on StubHub. Your ticket out. Fight back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. We're talking about last night's U.S. presidential debate uh, featuring Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, the second of three before the election on November 8th. With me in studio is Michael Diamond of the Upstream Strategy Group. On the line with us is U.S. journalist, conservative commentator Paul Paselli. Uh, one of the big issues that people in America have over Hillary Clinton are security concerns. And they link that directly to the fact that she wrote some or exchanged some 33,000 emails on her personal email address that pertained to the U.S. business, the business of the United States. Here's how that exchange went down last night. And then the two boxes of emails and other things last week that were taken from an office and are now missing. And I'll tell you what, if I win, I am going to instruct my attorney general to get a special prosecutor to look into your situation because there has never been so many lies, so much deception. There has never been anything like it. That was a mistake. And I take responsibility for using a personal email account. Uh, obviously, if I were to do it over again, I would not. I'm not making any excuses. Uh, it was a mistake. And I am very uh, sorry about that. But I think it's also important uh, to point out where there are some misleading accusations from critics and others. Uh, after a year-long investigation, there is no evidence that anyone hacked the server I was using. And there is no evidence that anyone uh, can point to at all, anyone who says otherwise has no basis, that any classified material ended up in the wrong hands. I take classified materials very seriously and always have. When I was on the Senate Armed Services Committee, I was privy to a lot of classified material. Obviously, as Secretary of State, I had some of the most important secrets uh, that we possess, such as going after bin Laden. Uh, so I am very committed to taking classified information seriously. And as I said, there is no evidence uh, that any classified information ended up in the wrong hands. Michael Diamond, what do you make of her response there? You know, uh, Trump was saying earlier uh, that uh, words and actions are what's important and actions are more important than words. And if you look at her words, she can talk about how she's so committed and uh, cares about classified information and security. But James Comey, the director of the FBI, said she was extremely careless with classified information. There's a lot of lies here. There's a lot of things that are murky and people didn't understand. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to boil down to that line, extremely careless with classified information. And Paul Paselli, is this a deal breaker for m many Americans who might otherwise have cast a ballot for Hillary next month? 
You know, I don't know if I would classify it directly as a deal breaker. What I would say, at least at this point, Jane, is it's a life preserver for Donald Trump's campaign. Um, you know, even the person, the most rudimentary user of emails, kind of understands the theory of servers and sending and receiving things. And, you know, previous secretaries of state, granted, because of the evolution of email, didn't use email all that much. But I believe, for example, when Colin Powell did, and if he used a personal email, I think he said he used something like Gmail or Yahoo, which, you know, of course, are under federal law here in the States. All emails are retained. And I think when people hear the fact that, you know, they hear the words personal server, and she says, well, there's no evidence, dot, dot, dot. The common person, even somebody who tends to support her, says, well, if you wiped clean 33,000 emails, there's a good chance that there's no evidence that you might have been in a pay-for-play scenario with, you know, your charitable foundation. So to answer your question, uh, yeah, I, I think it does... It does maybe make people, you know, if not not vote for her, you know, hold their nose when they're doing it. Let's get to our callers here now. A lot of comments on this hot-button issue of the U.S. presidential campaign. Allie in Waterloo, go ahead. Yes, hi there. I just had a, an observation from the debate yesterday mm-hmm. uh, to make this observation that Hillary Clinton had destroyed almost 33,500 emails, which she thinks that they, which she says they were personal emails. So my question is, if she had so many personal emails, what work was she doing while she was Secretary of State, having 33,500 personal emails? That's a lot of emails. Let's let Michael address that. You know, I think it's a fair comment because Hillary Clinton likes to talk about her accomplishments as Secretary of State. And when you look at the record, it's closer relationships with Cuba, closer relationships with Iran, strained uh, relationships throughout the rest of the world, and um, a lot of air miles. But what did that accomplish for the country? I can't really put my finger on it. Let's keep going with our callers here. Siva in Toronto, what would you like to add? I would just like to say that everyone is on Hillary. Now, is Donald Trump the better choice? I would say no. But then, men do so many bad things. A lot of wives think that their husbands are great till they find out what's wrong. If she were to have less bill, what would she do? Another man might do worse. So it's like Giuliani. He went into hospital for a heart surgery. He came out, left his beautiful wife, kicked her out of the house, and married the nurse. I mean, that is the way life is for a lot of people. And yet, Paul, there are many, many women in the United States who support Donald Trump. Yeah, there are. Uh, I didn't see the latest figure, but but there are. And I think those women that do um, look beyond for some reason, as some women will do with men and some men will do with women, and say, listen, there are bigger issues here. Um, you know, if he gets brought up on criminal charges or actually indicted on charges of abuse or rape, that's a different story. But the thing, you know, the two issues that are really keeping Trump's campaign alive and, and, and putting him a bit over 40%, I think Michael will agree with this, the two real issues are, are the economy here in the States, which is, which is just, you know, really treading water at best with very little growth. 
um, and and immigration and Trump, you will hear, will constantly go back to, well, you know, Hillary is going to raise taxes, and in a scenario where we're only averaging maybe one percent growth, that is just poisonous. And he points to statements that she has made that she will, you know, vastly increase refugee settlement from Syria and other parts of the. Um, other parts of the Middle East, and those are really the two hot-button issues that are drawing us some people to his campaign that you wouldn't think would vote for him. Let's uh, do a couple more rapid-fire calls here, and then I really want to get to Gail Nyberg uh, from the Daily Bread Food Bank to talk about Thanksgiving and those less fortunate uh, than ourselves. Let's go to Irene in Oshawa. You're on Zoomer Radio. Hi, hi. How are you, Libby? It's Jane. Go ahead. Okay. No, my only comment, or my one comment, I've got many, of course, but I won't take your time. Uh, throughout history in the United States, there have been many, many, many uh, discretions, lies, uh, womanizing, uh, mistakes from all the presidents. So, you know, for to say there's never been any, any lies or dis- deceptions, there have been many from all of the presidents. So the point is, you've got a Hobson's choice here. When you haven't got two strong opponents, you have to take the lesser of the two evils and the one that's the, the, that's the most knowledgeable for, for the position, and that's Hillary. Whatever fault she has, yes, she'll have faults, but they're not anywhere near as bad as his. Dan in Buffalo, go ahead. You're on Zoomer Radio. Hey, guys, you have a great program. Uh, I enjoy it. I'm in Buffalo, New York. Um, as an American citizen and a United States Army veteran, I'm embarrassed uh, by having Donald Trump represent the Republican Party. Um, and my thoughts on Bill Clinton and any discretions that he had during his presidency, I, I don't see any relevancy. Uh, Hillary is running on her own accomplishments. She's running on her own personality. Uh, she's independent from Bill Clinton. He will be the first first husband. And if that's all Donald Trump has in defense of Donald Trump, uh, I was always brought up that two wrongs don't make a right. Bill Clinton was incorrect with the way that he treated women back in his day 20 years ago. Uh, Donald Trump had that experience to build from, uh, and the meteor exposure uh, that it generated, and he was so full of himself, uh, he couldn't help himself. Um, There's so many important issues to talk about. And all they did was bash each other. As an American citizen, I'm, I'm in distress. We have a deficit. Uh, Hillary did address uh, medical under President Obama. It's not perfect. Let's fix it. Um, the Middle East is in turmoil. The United States of America is one of the biggest cause of the turmoil in the Middle East. Uh, how can we bring peace without bankrupting our own country? We. We just can't afford this type of nonsense anymore, uh, and I'm really in distress. I'm, I'm, I'm just ashamed that that's the only candidate that we could put forth, and he's a, he's a reality television star. It's not about ratings. This is about human beings, their lives, the impact, the decisions those people make. And uh, if this is what America has come to, maybe we really are falling apart. Dan, I'm going to give you the last word here from the callers. Michael, just a wrap-up comment. You know, I think that's an excellent point there. Uh, 
I'm a Republican. I love the Republican Party and the history of that uh, third oldest political party in the world. Being better, better than Bill Clinton or better than Ted Kennedy is not good enough for the party of Lincoln and Reagan. And Paul Paselli? Yeah, um, you know, it is really going to be for a lot of people a hold-your-nose choice. Um, one thing I would urge people to keep an eye on, and I was reading up on this before I joined you folks today, it seems now that the next uh, step in the strategy of the Trump campaign is going to be pointing to these WikiLeaks documents and supposedly things that Hillary said to some of these bankers in private versus what she is saying on the campaign trail. So that's probably the next chapter that we're looking at here. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Great great discussion. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.